This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Since I feel like I'm in slow motion coming off vacation, I'm going to throw out a question right here off the top of Cardinals Underground. Basically, this is my way of of putting the ball in your court, Danny Sarek, Darren Urban, Pauly Podcast over here. Okay, Less I do, probably the more better we're off to just bludgeon the English language right off the top. That was pretty impressive. Yes. I like using the words more better at times just to make sure. Why wouldn't you? See if everybody's paying attention, if nothing else. Okay. You know it was a good vacation when fill in the blank. You come back to work with a mustache? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was, oh, I should have seen that one coming. You really should have. Because you can always let's, let's get... Just, let's just yep. make this clear. Yep. I do not have a mustache. I am incapable of growing decent facial hair, so I do not have a mustache. Should I make it clear I, too, am mustacheless? <laughs> yeah, probably. That's probably a good idea. But, Darren, being incapable of growing the mustache didn't stop me. That's the way most people would react because mine is pathetic because it can always get worse. It does with yours truly because I just tried to lamely attempt to grow this mustache. Get a while. Yeah, how long? How long have you been doing? Well, it? see, I couldn't grow it the first week of vacation because the wife was at him about not ruining the family photo. So uh, I got a late start. So there's my excuse. Because I've seen you with the full growth yeah. and you you do yeah. a fairly good job. No, of this, it. this one's Certainly bad. not like me. Not good. I you know it's a good vacation when the temperature is not 118 degrees. Yeah, that, that was a sobering moment getting off the yes. plane uh, last night. There's no doubt about that. You know it's a good vacation when I came into work this morning, and it took me a good five to ten seconds to remember my password. So I'm thinking, you know, it's a good indication, actually. I got away, you know, I got away from work. I mean, literally the password that you enter a dozen times a day at least for the last six months, I couldn't remember it there for a moment. And by the way, speaking of the temperatures in the flight, we like to bag on Phoenix high temperatures, right? What is it, 19, 20 days in a row at this point, 110 plus, right? We, uh, as the, the day of this recording, uh, we officially set a record high low. Woo-hoo! It didn't get less under 97 degrees last night. Okay. Living in history. Yeah. So, so once again, we like to bag on it, you know, and make some gallows humor and so forth. Okay, but do you ever have that reaction when someone else starts bagging on Phoenix weather? especially this time of year, because this is the dead of winter for us. For example, we're on the flight, and there was one of those really chatty Southwest flight attendants who just couldn't resist the microphone, right, the PA mic in the plane, just always thinking there's some sort of stand-up comedian. And almost every moment they took the mic, which was frequent, there was a shot at Phoenix. We're going to the surface of the sun, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've... I, sort I of like, that. you know, you could pick on your little brother, but when somebody else picks on your little brother, look out. 
That's fair. I think that's fair. So I thought about coming to the defense of the AZ, but but then you didn't. I didn't. I okay. Didn't. You know, we don't need any viral video in a, uh, in a especially in a plane. Well, that, I was gonna, that doesn't I you were serve say, anyone, especially when you have a mustache. <laughs> so, that's right. So okay. Speaking of viral, there were two things. One on my vacation, something went viral. Show of hands. Who saw the surfboard biting sea otter? I did see that. Yeah. I did see that, and uh, it's unfortunate that the otter felt the need to get violent, but it happened. Well, they're territorial, just like the surfers. You know, I thought it was karma for the surfers because they're too ridiculously territorial. Well, guess what? Uh, you met your match in the sea otter. Uh, that, that's where I hung out for the last week or so. Uh, also going viral, flight plan, right? That's true. I mean, it really made from. From the outside looking in and following it on social media, because you're never truly away from the job, I'm like, wow, this is getting a lot of traction. Well, it was the first time we've really heard Kyler Murray talk since December uh, before his injury. I think it also, I mean, coincidentally came out around the time of quarterback, you know, that the series with NFL Films on Netflix following Kirk Cousins, Patrick Mahomes, Marcus Mariota. So, you know, lots of quarterback talk. Uh, But yeah, it was the first time we've really heard and seen Kyler Murray this offseason and you know what that gave me pause too I I saw somebody point that out and I thought about it I'm trying to do the math in my head so we had not heard from Kyler since before the New England game which would have been the Wednesday before that December 12th game correct wow I did not realize that keeps close tabs on that kind of thing I was yes (laughs) that is remarkable in its own sense I mean this is a franchise quarterback who had not discussed the injury at discussed length. anything. The highest paid player in Arizona Cardinals history. And this is really the first we'd heard from him on a number of those key topics. Where do you start? Honestly, where do you guys start? What were the key takeaways for you? Darren, you wrote an article on it or I, a couple. I did. I, well, I did write a, a couple of things. And it, it was interesting because I, uh, many of the, I, I was not able to be around when, the questions were being asked I made a strong effort to have that happen but it did not work out um, but many of the questions that were asked were my questions okay. so that was uh, that did benefit and I was able to write and it's some of the things I put in my original story didn't make it into flight plan and vice versa that's just how it goes because you were willing to go to Hawaii to ask your questions <laughs> I, I would have been willing to go to Hawaii. if somebody would have said hey <laughs> we're going and I was back in town by then I was definitely available and, and certainly, I worked while I was on vacation <laughs> on other stuff, too. So it's not like I wouldn't be willing to do something like that. But anyways, um, I, what really caught me when I watched Flight Plan, um, aside from the quotes at first, because I knew, I, I knew what I wanted to get out of some of those questions, which I wrote the story about. But when I watched Flight Plan, I think the one that really caught my ear was the end part where he talked about not really ever going on vacation before because he was always either playing football or baseball or the fact he really loved shopping. I mean, the reality is, is we haven't had that kind of insight to him on a personal level. Now, there's going to be many people out there that are like, well, who cares? What does that have to do with his comeback or how he plays football? But I do think it's, it's a step in the right direction. And I will be curious to know, we just talked about like him not having talked to much. I, I will be interested to see if there is any kind of change in that regard in terms of Kyler being a little bit more out there. Now, we'll see. Guys that are hurt frequently don't talk to the media until they're healthy again. And that's just not Kyler. That's been everybody. And you could make that argument he hurt his ACL and then he didn't talk. But 
I think Kyler's in a different bucket than most players too. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, there was a there were a few moments where he was self-deprecating, right? Where he talked about shopping and it's maybe an addiction needs to, he needs to control that a little bit. But you only live once. And then there was, you know, what else do you like to do? Chess. Obviously, he's very skilled at that. He likes to play and compete in chess. And then, and then he sort of made that uh, gallows humor joke where he said, quote, the world thinks I'm a professional Call of Duty player, which is definitely not the case. But there were a couple of self-deprecating moments in there that I think served him well in his persona. No, I agree. And when he was talking about playing video games, he used the sentiment that I've heard from a lot of my guy friends who like to play video games, which is that's how they stay connected and how they talk with their friends of in between games or if you're in different time zones. And that's how you kind of stay in touch with your friends of typically a little different than I feel like a lot of girls of you stay in touch by talking on the phone and things like that. A lot of guys stay in touch by playing video games with each other. I think it was interesting to get an insight behind the work Kyler has been doing that we have heard from this coaching staff, from his teammates that he's been doing around the facility. And the fact that he was taking what sounded like one of his first vacations and still prioritizing that rehab. We got a, a small look at a little bit of family life with his dad, throwing the ball with his dad because making sure that he's staying in throwing shape. And, you know, hearing Kyler say that the goal is week one, and while it doesn't necessarily feel like that's feasible with the history of this type of injury and coming back and not wanting to rush things, I mean, that I, I feel like you heard a lot of the things you would want to hear from a franchise quarterback coming off this type of injury. And, and not, not only just in general, but I think the year that this team is coming off of. And what stood out to me was the part where Kyler was talking about how this year – focusing on how can he be a better leader and understanding that it's not a blanket type of leadership for everybody in the locker room. Understanding which teammates can take that hard criticism. Who needs less of the criticism and more on the encouragement side of things from him throughout the week in a game. And I also thought it was really interesting and, and maybe looking too much into this and maybe this isn't a subtle jab, but him saying he's going to work on being more coachable was something that made my ears perk up. You know, Carson Palmer and Kurt Warner, correct me if I'm wrong, Darren, were excellent at knowing which guys needed what sort of leadership, guidance, feedback. Some of the guys you could yell at, you get into it. Kurt Warner would yell at Steve Breston a lot, even as a rookie, but Breston could take it. He was a tough guy who'd run into the teeth of the punt cover team, right? He just was geared up that way. There were other guys that, you know, he would soft-pedal a little bit more. Carson Palmer would talk differently to a John Brown than he did a Larry Fitzgerald and, you know, a Jared Valdeer. And and so to Danny's point, yeah, that's probably a realization after four years in the league for Kyler. And now he's paid like a franchise, the franchise player. He's going to have to be that guy. And, And I think along with that leadership, the next step for him and to regain the form that had him the first half of the 2021 season as a legitimate MVP candidate is to make everyone better around him. It's Kurt Warner taking Steve Breston and making him a thousand yard receiver, right? It's a rookie John Brown, Carson Palmer turning him that sort of threat. So now what can Kyler Murray do? Can he be uh, Patrick Mahomes, right? You lose Tyreek Hill and what do you do? You win the Super Bowl. And Aaron Rodgers who came in two years ago on that Thursday night game, I always think about missing Devontae Adams. 
missing their number two receiver, Alan Lazard. I still remember talking about this at length. What did Aaron Rodgers do? Road team on Thursday night. Figured out a way to win. <laughs> that was the fateful A.J. Green interception at the very end that didn't help, obviously. But Aaron Rodgers did persevere through that. And to me, that's, on the field at least, that's the next step for Kyler. I, I would agree with that. And, of course, the key to that on the field is him being on the field. And I, and I think that's another thing that it was good to have all this out there and it's good to hear from Kyler and all those things. Um, but we, do, we don't really have any better sense of when he's going to be playing football again, nor are we f- probably for a good long while because I think Kyler's going to keep it close to the vest. I know Jonathan Gannon's going to keep it close to the vest. And the reality is still very much out there. And I know one of the clips that got circulated a ton was, you know, my goal is to be back week one. But that's I, I said this on the Red Sea report. That's that's akin to all the NFL players saying before before training camp starts, my goal is to win the Super Bowl. You know, every player says yeah. it in the entire league when there's only one team that's going to win it. So that that to me is how I interpret it. It's it's Kyler has to say that. But it's not it's not going to happen. See, I don't have a, a problem with not having a set timeline of when Kyler Murray is expected to return, because to me, I don't really see how that gives a lot of pros of you don't know what the rehab process is going to look like throughout different phases. So if you say he's going to be back week two, he's going to be back by week three. What if he's not? What if there's a setback? I mean, then then you start having questions of is it on Kyler Murray and his effort? Is it on the strength staff? Is it on the coach? Like. I, I just don't know what pros we would the, the team would have right now to give a set day on when Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray would return. I think there's just still so much time in between now and the season starting that it, to me, like I, I, I understand people want to have an answer and you want to have a progress update on, on where he is. Is he running? Is he able to cut? Like those kinds of things I understand. But to me, I, I don't see how the team would benefit at all at this point by saying, yeah, the goal is to have our quarterback ready by week one. Because if he's not, now you're setting your quarterback who has already taken a ton of you know criticisms for the years to then have something else be put on him if his body is not ready for week one. Refresh our memories. If he's on pup before camp begins, he's eligible week one? Okay, so here's how the pup physically unable to perform works. You you have to be on it when camp starts to be on it at all. Okay? Once you practice with the team at any point, you can no longer be on pup. So if he goes on the pup list, or if Zach Ertz goes on the pup list, you can put him on there's a couple different versions, but the version he would likely go on would be the one where you can come off at any point. Just like Max Williams did last year, he was on PUP when we started training camp and he came off of PUP somewhere to start practicing. If he remains on PUP the duration of the preseason to final roster cuts, you have the option to take him off PUP and put him on your 53 or you can leave him on PUP. If you leave him on PUP, you buy yourself that roster spot, but he must miss at least four games. Gotcha. And I do not believe he can come back and practice before that month is up. So we would have a pretty good idea if we got to the regular season and they left him on pup kind of where he is because he's going to miss at least a month and then he can come off and then he's got like a th- he can come off at any point after that, whether it's week five or week eight. And then he would have a three week window to be elevated to the, the regular roster. So 
I fully anticipate he's going to be on PUP to start camp. Now, what happens beyond that, we'll see. So that's a question we can't answer. Here's another question for Kyler and his return, his recovery. That's tough to answer, but I'll pose it anyway. Never stopped me before, right, Danny? Here we go. Will his style of play prolong his recovery? Meaning Joe Burrow a couple years ago tore his ACL, came back, and he admitted, no, I'm not 100%, maybe not even that close to 100%, but the style of game I play, I put a knee brace on it, I can come back, and he operated from the pocket. He slowly but surely got better over the course of that season. They made the playoffs, et cetera. But is that really something that is an option for a Kyler Murray? I think so. I think if Kyler feels in the, you know, strength staff, coach staff, everyone feels like he's healthy enough and it's safe to put him out on the field, I think that he would play even if maybe using his legs doesn't feel quite like 100% compared to every other year in his career. I think he gets out there. You start to get comfortable with this offense, comfortable being out there, putting your body back through what it's going to be facing every week. And then over time, while he's continuing to practice and rehab and all of that, likely be able to use his legs the way he was before. But I don't think he's not going to come back for the sole reason of I can't run at 100%. I can only use my legs maybe 70% as before. Like to me, that would be good enough to come back. Okay, so here's how I kind of interpret that. Number one, if you're talking about 100% in terms of the whole package, physically and mentally, I'm willing to buy that. I am not willing to buy that any doctor is going to clear a player that isn't 100% coming back from ACL. You're not, you're not saying, well, you're, you're, set, you're 80% through this rehab process, but you could probably get around on the field if you don't run as much. We're going to put you out there. That's not happening. That's not happening with Zach Ertz, in my opinion. Now, again, if you're talking about 100%, like I'm mentally totally there, He's, in my opinion, and this is nothing against Kyler because I would say that about anybody. I, I would, I'm going to say this about Zach Ertz. I don't think anybody's going to be mentally 100% when they get physically 100% cleared to come back on the field. We've seen it multiple times. I've mentioned this before on other outlets. Uh, you know, Tyron Matthew twice coming back from yep. ACL. He was not the same player that first year back. Dennis Gardeck was not the same player that first year back. I, I can go down a laundry list of guys who have torn their ACL that I've covered that they're just not that guy right away because you're just not going to be. And most of it is mental. And, but in terms of, so I, I don't, again, I just don't see them saying, well, yeah, you're, you're 80%. You can, you could probably get, get out there. I don't, I don't see them doing that. And on top of that, I don't see that being reasonable. Like in this season, I don't know if that's going to make a whole lot of sense. Then, then you, if you, even if you could do that, you're going to start talking about, okay, where are we as a team when we get to that point and is it worth doing? Now I've said this multiple times. Kyler Murray is going to play for the Arizona Cardinals this year. There's no way I would be willing to bet a lot of money, even though we're not allowed to bet. And even though uh, Danny hates that line of speaking, I'm willing to bet a lot of money that, he will play this year because they they need to know Kyler needs to know but when that is I, I think that's a big mystery and look at some point mentally he's got to take that step and get back on an NFL field and compete in a game you can be 100% physically all you want but mentally there's got to be that moment remember Carson Palmer talking about that oh, Justin Palmer is a good the challenge of that and how the second time at least the way he told it if I remember correctly it was much easier for him well the second time around. And had I, nothing to do with the knee. It had to do with mentally. Yes, and I will say that if you've done it a couple, like, 
again, Carson. There was a couple things with Carson Palmer. Number one, he'd been through it before. He was he was deep into the league by the time he came back because obviously he was fantastic his entire season in 2015 after he came back. Also, his style of game wasn't Kyler Murray. It wasn't even Tyron Matthew. I mean, literally, you just have to kind of. I mean, he wasn't going to move anyway. And that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That, it's that's my Joe Burrow example. Same with Carson Palmer, six five, hang in the pocket, do his Big Ben impersonation, hanging as long as he can. Guys, you know, hit him, and he's getting rid of the ball at the last second. But that's not Kyler's skill set. That's not how he is a dynamic force in the NFL. So that's hence my question: if there's a prolonged timetable, just based on that. Um, you know, I also thought it was interesting when he talked about his state of mind, and I'm looking at the quote right here where he said to the cameras, I feel free in a sense now. New decision makers, holding people accountable, the leadership in the building. There's a lot in that one statement. He is saying a lot by not saying a lot of specifics. And that, to me, that, that fit in with the whole I'm going to be coachable line that he also had earlier. I mean... Without being around the bush, it, it sounds like there were a lot of problems internally between coaching staff, front office, and, and how your franchise quarterback felt. Um, I think it's been clear the way that Jonathan Gannon and Monty Fort and the staff they have put together have meshed with this team so far. And that was also highlighted in Flight Plan. It wasn't just Kyler Murray's recovery. We also got to see him go back to Norman, Oklahoma and watch his Heisman statue be unveiled and yep. be surprised by his new general manager, head coach, some of the staff, which of course took unnecessary flack leading up to the draft. A few, heaven forbid, four hours to fly there, support your quarterback and fly back. Anyway, uh, but to to see Kyler's reaction and hear him talk about that support and how much that meant to him, and that was in April. So the staff had been put together for not even – what, maybe four weeks at that point? And, and to have them already make that effort for the franchise quarterback, it was encouraging to hear and see that reaction and how it feels like around the building that everybody is meshing and working towards the same goal and a little more cohesiveness now. Because when he used the phrase, we hit a wall last year, that was the other thing that stood out to me. I'd gotten better each of my first three years, but we hit a wall last year. He didn't really define that. Obviously, you can look at the win-loss record, and maybe that's all he meant. But maybe to Danny's point, he was talking about other aspects. What hit a wall exactly? Was it the lack of accountability? What the owner, Michael Bidwell, cited in making the coaching change? Quote, we have an accountability problem. And then went about his search and hired Monty Austin Ford. And Jonathan Gannon, Monty's famous quote at his introductory press conference, ego will not be tolerated. So when he says we hit a wall, what exactly did that refer to? Was it strictly just the win-loss record or dot, dot, dot? Did it go beyond that? Were the other dynamics responsible for the poor performance last year? I would feel like they're probably pretty correlated from at least gathering what reading between the lines of what it sounds like, what we've heard from different people throughout the offseason. It, it feels correlated. Because here's... My other theory, you guys, you know, we're in this long enough. I, I think I'm, you know, I've warmed up a little bit, knocked off some of the rust. So, you know, it's time for a theory around here from Calvisi Consulting. I would say, and you heard Kyler at one point reference Baker Mayfield, the whole Oklahoma thing, right? And by the way, how many speeches does he have to give in Norman, Oklahoma? 
Speak of OU, what was the over-under OU on the number of speeches he had to give? I mean, they put him to work. I mean, he's, he's, he's talking to all these different crowds and booster meetings and the stadium and everything. So it, it was far from just showing up and, you know, shaking a few hands. Anyway, talked about Baker Mayfield. So what has happened to Baker Mayfield ever since he had four years in the league? Well, he's currently on his fourth NFL team. Things fell apart for Baker Mayfield. One minute, you're a Heisman Trophy winner. Next minute, you're the number one pick in the draft. Then all of a sudden, you're leading the team to the playoffs. You are the toast of Cleveland. Playoff win. You beat the Steelers. And in a span of about 18 months, it all fell apart for Baker Mayfield. So my theory is that among all these other aspects of everything, quote, hitting a wall, Guess what? One of his best friends, one of his mentors in a way, a guy he would compete against at Oklahoma, and a guy maybe he's patterned a lot of his own career, like Baker Mayfield, who's a couple inches taller than him and has got it done for a lot of years, all of a sudden went from Cleveland to Carolina to the Rams. Now he's with Tampa, sparring with the media over the absence of Tom Brady already this week. I don't know how that's going to trend, but I just think – if you're Kyler Murray, you can't help but look at the guy who's been a step ahead of you in the career timeline every step of the way and realize this could be fleeting. I I would agree with that to a certain extent. Here's why I pause, because Kyler got paid. I mean, I don't think this is going to happen, but for the argument's sake here – if Kyler completely flames out and all of a sudden becomes a journeyman, he's always going to have that money in his pocket, which Baker didn't get because he never got that new contract True. and it yep. didn't work out for him, And which was, quite frankly, one of the reasons it was so important for Kyler to get the contract when he got it. Um, so it was much easier for the Browns to part ways, obviously. I, I think so. Yeah. I, I think the other thing, too, is I, I agree. I, I think they obviously have a good relationship and there's a certain mentor aspect to it. But I, I also believe that Kyler strongly believes he's his own guy and um i wouldn't be surprised if you got kyler to speak honestly he always thought he was better than baker i'm sure he I'm does like, yeah and there's nothing wrong with that i'm but, just saying I mean, it's an example yeah. of what could happen because there are a lot of career parallels well i mean look at this point and this is why he has to play this year is because that's what everybody's waiting on that's what kind of what he's waiting to see on you got to you have a new coaching staff and a new gm that really aren't married to you. Now, obviously, the contract makes it a little bit more difficult uh, in terms of that relationship, but they're not the ones that drafted you. They're trying to rebuild this from the ground up. And so he's got something to prove to those guys. He's got something to prove to the coach. And, I, you know, Jonathan Gannon came in, and Monty Osafort to a lesser extent, but J Jonathan Gannon came in knowing he had something to prove to Kyler. I need to be on the right side with this guy. Yep. I need to connect with this guy. Kyler said that that's what's happened. And so now it's Kyler's turn whenever he gets on the field to, to hold up his end of the bargain. It's good stuff, though. Kyler on the training table literally wincing as they're administering treatment and therapy, and he's answering questions. It is funny when you hear that, and it's like this. that's the one problem with video that like Arizona sports was playing the heck out of all that sound. And when there's no context, it just sounds funky when he's yeah. like or when he's talking when he's getting his beard trimmed or haircut <laughs> right, but yeah. like when he's wincing and he's pausing and you're like well, why that's an odd place to pause and it's because he was doing yeah. his rehab at the same time as danny mentioned earlier is there a hotter tv production on the planet right now than quarterback on netflix 
It's just great stuff. It takes you inside. And you know what? You also mentioned Kevin Murray, who obviously has been a driving force in his son's life, in his career. But at least to my recollection or my consumption of of Cardinals coverage over the last four years in Kyler's career, I remember him on draft night. I think I remember him at the contract press conference. I'm not sure I really personally had ever heard from Kevin Murray. And to hear him talk to the cameras, and the quote I have right here where he said, he looked at the camera said, the best of Kyler is yet to come, and then said it again, repeated it a couple of times for emphasis, the best of Kyler is yet to come. Very interesting. I wonder. Well, were you expecting him to say something different? Well, it was almost like he was promising, vowing, guaranteeing, almost like, it went beyond just, okay, he's my son, and you know maybe you know in terms of promotion, it was almost like he knew something that, you know once again, getting back to the hit a wall, was there something that had held him back? Because the other quote that got a lot of run, right, was the one where he said, and if it's not working, we have to blow it up or whatever. Look in you- the mirror. Yeah. So was that a reference to the Cardinals' late season fades in 2020, 2021? where we talked about on all the Cardinals broadcast, adjust to the adjustment. What happened in December and January of those seasons where it looked like the Cardinals offense had stalled out? Was it a schematic adjustment by NFL defensive coordinators? And was there a failure of the Cardinals to react accordingly on offense in terms of their scheme and what they were running and calling? I don't know, just the, just the bravado with which the dad looked at the cameras and said the best of Kyler is yet to come. I found that intriguing. This sounds cynical. I also think with this situation, you have no choice but to have that outlook. Um, Kyler was referencing that as well when saying, you know, the time has come to move on from being sad about this and, and pouting about it. That, that happened when, you know, the few weeks after the injury and I, you know, was having to do a little rehab before having surgery like now what's done is done and I have no choice but to turn this into a positive in the sense of working hard and being better than I ever have and putting work into this and and making that hard work that effort worth it so while I love hearing Kyler's father and you know his coach who he trains with in the offseason who's been there every step of his career saying that and emphatically saying that the best of Kyler Murray is yet to come I do think that's the mindset that you just have to have. And it sounds like that's what Kyler has. But you he's right. Kyler's right. You have no choice at this point. You can't lament about the injury and then use it as an excuse. I mean, plenty of players have had that injury, plenty of quarterbacks, and have come back. Look at Joe Burrow. So there's no choice you have but to be positive and to find a way to use this in your favor. In fact, I found the quote here I was kind of talking about. Where Kyler said in flight plan, once again, the whole last year was bleep. It happened for a reason. The things we were doing weren't sustainable for success. What wasn't sustainable? Is he talking about schematics? Was he talking about? I think it could be a lot of different things. The accountability, once again. Was it on the field? Was it off the The, field? The accountability is, is interesting to me because losing teams don't have accountability winning teams do have accountability and i think it really comes down to that let me tell you something everybody keeps talking about how jonathan gannon has ratcheted up accountability and that's good that's what needs to happen i guarantee you in three years if he's struggling or another change has to be made and and i'm not predicting anything i'm just saying uh then 
no one was being held accountable. I mean, Bruce Arians had an accountability board, for goodness sake. Yes, he did. And all I heard at the end of his tenure was accountability started to slip. Well, I mean, yep. again, why? Because yep. they weren't winning. Right. They weren't winning. Okay. All right. That's kind of how I yep. feel about yep. it. You know, and I know it's like a lot of people sort of dismissed when Kyler said about his connection with Jonathan Gannon, quote, you run through a wall for that type of guy. That's the energy he brings. And maybe any player is going to say that about the current head coach. But we've all had bosses, right? You like or dislike or you respect more than others. Is our our boss listening to this podcast before Darren and I contribute? And I'm just saying, is, is it unrealistic to think that when an employee has a boss they really respect and or connect and vibe with that you're going to get maybe a little more productivity in the daily output a little bit i would also imagine if players from what it has sound like again from flight plan felt a type of way about whether accountability specific coaches or people in the front office at this point to see and this starts with owner michael bidwell but to see a difference in the type of people that are being brought in to make a change culturally when it comes to wins on the field, accountability, energy. I would imagine that as players, you buy into that of, okay, like we are top down really trying to make changes and make a difference and be better. And so to see your owner and your GM bring in those types of people that maybe were missing, part of the reason why there wasn't long-term success, I would imagine as a player, it's okay, Everybody else in the building is making an effort to make those changes. We have to do the same. Well, and speaking of change, here's the last thing I'll throw out on Kyler, at least from from watching it. My takeaways was where he sort of drilled a little deeper into his leadership style and how that might have to evolve. That at times, and I don't have it right in front of me, but he said, you know, he, he could react maybe in a harsh manner. That's more akin to his personality. Um, and, you know, some guys in – don't react as well to that. They, they put in the clip of him sort of admonishing Josh Jones. I remember that vividly. It, it wasn't anything to do necessarily with Josh Jones' play. It was uh, some pre-snap penalties that had played the Cardinals, put them behind the chains. Kyler came over early in that game, and, and that's what he said, and you could see it visibly just down on the sideline. Although I, I it's funny you bring that up. I, I don't think there's any question every – and, and Danny had brought it up earlier that the thing about how he may be maturing a little bit in that way. And I do think as a as somebody who's been a boss a number of years now, as somebody who's been a parent and you have different kids that usually have to be treated a little bit differently depending on how they react to stuff. You know, it, the, part of the issue with what we see and I'm not excusing everything Kyler has done that we've seen down on the sideline, but, uh, you know, we we don't know what got it got to that either. Right. I mean, he might be being nice to some of these guys once or twice, and then they keep effing it up, and then yeah. at some point that the, you know. Or I'll give you another example because that is a great point. Is his exchange with DeAndre Hopkins that got captured? I'll get you the ball. I'll get you the ball. How many times did D Hop come up to him during the course of that game? How many times did D Hop come up to him over the course of that season? Give me the ball. And at some point, there is a breaking point. Yes, and 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 again, that doesn't that doesn't excuse you. And 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 again, some of this there there has to be an evolution. But when we talk about the leadership, or we talk about accountability, and I I guess I struggle with this a little bit because I'm very, I'm very much somebody who I struggle with people struggling with 
self-accountability these days. And, and when we keep talking about being accountable, like, why can't you just get your freaking job done? I, I, that's kind of, that's, that's a little, I, I'm having a little wolf <laughs> seep out of me a little bit. But I mean, that, that frustrates me. And, and with Kyler, the other thing too is, it reminds me, and, and I'm, I, I'm sure there's newer versions of this, but I keep thinking of older versions of it, where whether it was uh, uh, Frank Robinson as a manager or Ted Williams as a baseball manager or even when Magic Johnson tried to coach. like A lot of times when you have a high-profile guy, they don't understand why everybody can't play at that level. And I think sometimes Kyler kind of fights that a little bit because yeah. he's like, I don't understand if if I can play football like this, why can't you play football like this? And and that te- and if you can't necessarily handle that, that's that's a tough thing to kind of focus into a, a leadership role when you when you don't understand why they are not up to that kind of level. And a lot of guys aren't going to be at the at the talent level that Kyler Murray is at. Was your example with Hopkins your segue, Paul? It was, but I was going to diverge for oh, one sorry. for one moment. You know, you talk about accountability and self awareness. It was, and as another example, then we'll go to D Hop. It's like Danny holding people accountable on her flight to Europe for you know taking their shoes off, right? I mean, have some self awareness. That was oh, that oh, was my flight just... <laughs> from New York to Phoenix, which is like a five plus hour yeah, flight. It man. was delayed more than two hours. Oh. I had been traveling for about. 15, 16 hours at that point. Oh, jeez. So I get on the plane, and I will say, at first I, I thought I had great karma because they had said this is a full flight, you know, all the stuff of if you're in this group to board, check your bags now with the gate agent. So sit down, I'm waiting, have an aisle seat, and they start doing, you know, the, the seatbelt and the safety instructions, and nobody's sitting in my row. At and all? I'm think, at oh. all. And I'm thinking, I deserve this. And then, and then the man next to me in the aisle takes his shoes off and then I pay attention and in both the left and right side of the aisle and the rows directly in front of me, and I love my young nephew, were two young, loud kids. And I'm thinking, oh, maybe this isn't such good karma, but it absolutely disgusted me to watch that man be barefoot to where I scooted mm. into the window. I mean, mm-hmm. I did lift up the armrest to kind of take out the, the aisle. The I know. To do it. I know. It was disgusting. How do you how do you go barefoot on a plane? I and then he would and and maybe like neck back issues whatever, he would like stand up on the flight, you know, kind of like walk around and I'm like, you're walking on the plane barefoot. It was so disgusting. Do you know where this plane has been? Oh, so gross. Yeah. Nobody wants to see your open no. toes. No. Well, at least at least you only you only saw it. You didn't smell it. I'm just putting it because there was a photographer. I'll just throw this out there. Back when the media used to travel on the Cardinals team plane, and he would shoot the entire game. And somewhere earlier in the year, and 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 very uh, uh, hot, um, humid destinations. And the first thing he would do because he stuffed his back when I was working at Channel Five, stuffed all the media in the last three rows. And you would fly with a team. Yep. That's fly right. Fly with the team. What does that say about me? And I was he was right he was right behind me and he was about six threes, Darren size, and he's sticking his feet right under oh, my seat. No. And instantly, the <laughs> moment we boarded and he had those Nikes on for seven hours and he sweated through them and those things came off. And I didn't need to see it before I realized he had removed his shoes. 
disgusting. Yeah, I would go to HR. Have some awareness. I'm not dude. even exaggerating. Well, there's no, there's. I'm just saying. Again, I would find they were guests on the plane. I'm just saying, yeah. if anybody did that now, I would formally complain. Have fair. some etiquette. Yeah. That's that's very that's a fair fair. That point. was quite the distraction, Paul. It's like a bumper sticker I saw on vacation. My karma ran over my dogma. <laughs> See, the moment you allowed yourself, Danny, to think that you had it made on that flight, boom, it hit you. Yeah, I guess feeling like you have good karma and any sort of traveling experience is just a trap. Doesn't exist. Abort. Abort. That's right. Okay. Speaking of travel, speaking of D-Hop earlier, he has a new team. He goes to Nashville. Thoughts, reactions, surprise factor, Darren. I mean, we had heard about the Titans early on. The Titans. um, Fit. What do you think about I would automatically recoil at the thought of Mike Vrabel and DeAndre Hopkins unless they had already been together yeah, and they have for I, many years I was, I was so okay say, all right he had to know there's a track record yeah I mean the, my first reaction is what it was always going to be which was I always thought that DeAndre Hopkins was going to go to the, the team that paid him and there was probably only going to be one and it turned out to be Tennessee and they're the only ones that were willing to pay him anywhere close to what he was wanting so that's where he went and there's nothing wrong with that again there's nothing wrong with it but it is kind of funny all that discussion about what quarterbacks I want to play with and what teams I want to play with that's that's my thing look if you're a Cardinals fan I could understand of in the moment you were upset you didn't get any picks or anything from a trade value for DeAndre Hopkins but I would think that after seeing him sign with the Titans you take a step back and you think okay maybe this front office is doing things the right way because if that's the team he signed with, clearly there were not a lot of suitors out there the way that things were being portrayed. The fact that Hop said he wants to be with a quarterback who makes everyone around him better, number one competitor. Do the Titans have that? No. If you're looking for a top defense, maybe. I don't know about like the top defense in the league, but Hop said he wanted to be with a strong defense that can win games. Okay. But then you're also looking for, he mentioned the front office. And I'm thinking, a front office who didn't re-sign A.J. Brown, so are you kind of rebuilding? Or what, what exactly is going on here? Like, it just, I understand the business side and putting yourself first and some of the things that he was saying. But it almost felt like he was knocking the Cardinals down on his way out the door. And then you go and you sign with a team that doesn't really have any of those things you were knocking the Cardinals about. So again, to your point, it's really not surprising that he went for the money and and with his age, it makes sense of where you're at of, you know, trying to get that final contract likely. So I I will say this, you're it's you as a as a Cardinal fan, you're not going to have to worry about it biting you in terms of any head to head. You're we'll see what happens with the Titans, but as loaded as the AFC is, I don't think you're going to have to deal with oh my god he we lost him for nothing and now he's out there having all this success team wise because i don't the titans are the titans will be competitive as they have been and i think mike vrabel is a great coach but i just think the afc is way too heavy to for them to do much yeah the best thing the titans have going for them is their division that's the best thing i mean otherwise you got a team that lost the last seven games at the end of last year missed the playoffs ryan Tannehill in a contract year Obviously, they took Will Levis, Derrick Henry in a contract year. The O-line is suspected. Yeah. Best. That's that's a work in progress. And they have a rookie GM. So 
Danny, you're right. All those things that he cited, that whole checklist, how many of those boxes did he just check? It's, it's going to be hel- not hilarious. And again, I'm, I don't will, wish any ill will to hop at all. Um, he did what he needed to do after he got cut. Um, but with everything that's happened, if the Titans get off to a sideways, a little bit of a start and they decide, okay, Will Levis is our future and we're not re-signing Ryan Tannehill anyways, we might as well put Will Levis in the lineup now. It's, and he ends up playing with a rookie untested. It's a worse situation than the Cardinals. And it's going to be interesting for sure. By the way, mandatory Texans, speaking of Hop's former team and the uh, team with which the Cardinals own their number one pick next year. Do you see where Laramie Tunsil, their franchise tackle, said about C.J. Stroud that he's come in from day one and been that vocal leader and taken over the huddle and everything. And so very glowing review from Laramie Tunsil as uh, we figure, don't you think that C.J. Stroud would be tracking to be their opening oh, game yeah. starter? I, I don't think there's I mean, any question about Davis that. Davis Mills' career record is like 5-27 and 27 or something like that, right? C.J. Stroud is, is playing quarterback yeah, for the yeah. Texans. So. So, okay, let's just hope C.J. Stroud doesn't, you know, navigate that learning curve too quickly next season. This is random, um, but, Paul, did you see the uh, Seahawks throwback jerseys that they put out? I did see those. I love that 90s video. Okay, more importantly, along the, along that subject line, though, I would love to get your guys' uh, reaction to this. Uh, and I do – I'm a nostalgia guy, so I love all these throwback jerseys that are coming out. I love what the Seahawks are doing. I love the cream skulls coming back for the Bucks. I liked what the Bucks or the Browns did with their all white with the white uh, helmets, yeah. but in the story that the Seahawks put out uh, on Seahawks.com about the the new thing, you're only allowed so many alternate jerseys. So to get these, they have to get rid of one of them. So it came down to their wolf gray and their action green. Is that what they called the did, neon green? Did they get rid of the action green? Action they did green. not. No! <laughs> and there's a bunch of fans that are upset that, like, how do you not get rid of the green ones? Yikes. We like the gray ones. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. That's all right. The 12s, come on. The 12s are just go with whatever's fed to them, and then they'll buy their own gear, and it's a straight profit for the club. It's an ingenious, cash, homie. it's an ingenious revenue stream by the Hawks. It really is all the twelve gear that, and then they don't have to split it with the players. There's no revenue share. It's just boom, like Darren said, straight profit. This is the highest I've ever heard you speak about the Seahawks. That's true. That's true. It takes a lot for. Uh, by the way, you want a hot take? It wouldn't be a Cardinals Underground, right? Brought to you by Pacific Office Automation without a hot take. Here's my hot take as we near the season, like 50 days away, I think, as of today, if I heard someone say. Yeah, I think that's right. The Seattle Seahawks will win this division. I'm not liking what I'm seeing out of the 49ers right now. And you know, Are you seeing anything out of the 49ers? They haven't even gone to camp yet. They're just sitting at just, home like just, everybody else. Just, uh, Paul, Paul was in the Bay Area. He I just knows got things. back in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's just, true. You know, and, and also, his ear to the ground. I also say this. I'm not buying the Rams whatsoever. No. I know – a Who, lot of, who's buying the Rams? <laughs> no, no, but a lot of these projections have the Cardinals automatically cemented into the uh, bottom of the division. Rainbows, okay. I mean, right now, right now, the Rams, the latest being Matthew Stafford was asked to renegotiate, and he said no. I mean, this whole Rams, and the coach almost retired for the second offseason in a row, and they're in cap. You know, hell, they just have, I mean, they're, they're eating it all this year, all these cap hits. They basically have three players and nobody else, and the O-line stole a disaster, which they couldn't address. Uh, I, you know, all these people who are so quickly putting the Cardinals into the basement of the NFC West, you might want to take a closer look at the Rams. You tell them, Paul. Same. 
We'll but, see. Yeah. All right. I mean, next time we're actually going to be at camp next time we record. Mm. I can't believe it's here. Oh, it's here, baby. By the way, the uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this. The My Karma ran over my dogma bumper sticker. Yeah. What did Pauly Parental Unit tell the kids going into the uh, vacation right off the top? Nothing ruins a vacation, young ones, than a sunburn, right? Boom. Put on the sunscreen. Kids were loath to put on the sunscreen. Put on and then what happened on the second day? Dad got absolutely torched. That's that's just not you gotta read your keys, Paul. So once again, you know, the karma will run over the dogma every time. That'll do it for Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.